This is Jazz Shapers, the Jazz Sessions, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to this very special edition of Jazz Shapers, the live session. I'm Elliot Moss, here from the beautiful Everyman Cinema in the heart of Islington. It's been a cinema since 1913, over 100 years, and I'm really happy the Everyman have helped us this evening in bringing this beautiful place to life in a slightly different way. What is Jazz Shapers, I hear you ask? Well, I haven't heard you ask, but you might be asking in your head. Well, I'll tell you what it is. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues, and soul. And alongside them, we put a fantastic business shaper, someone who is shaping the world of business right now. More of that person, that special person, coming up in a moment. And alongside them, we usually play music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul. I'm very pleased to say that we've got one special guest, Bill Lawrence, Grammy award-winning pianist, composer and producer, and also one of the co-founders of Snarky Puppy back in 2004. Bill's going to be joining us for some live music, which you, as our live audience, let's just make sure you're there. Hello, can I hear you? Yeah, they're live, they're really here, there's lots of them, and they're looking very happy. So, without further ado, let me introduce my special business shaper. Her name is Kelly Hoppen. She is at the top of her game. Her game is interior design, but she's not just a designer. She's an entrepreneur. She's not just an entrepreneur. She's also a writer. She's written, I believe, at least 10 books. She has been fated around the world for her design. Um, She's been called, and I quote, the mistress of monochrome. It's true. The Queen of Cream. Um, And I love this, just before I ask her to come up and join me on stage. She said, I I believe, and she'll tell me if this is wrong, nothing is too big and nothing is ever big enough. Please put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen, for Kelly Hoppen. (laughs) Kelly, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Now... You've been interviewed so many times, and I've gone through many, many of those interviews, and I've thought, this is a person who knows how to answer a question in a smart way. How am I going to be sneaky? How am I going to actually get to the heart of what Kelly Hoppen is all about? 40 years, it's a long time to be good at what you do. Tell me about where you think your ambition is derived from. What makes you that fiery, I'm going to do it every day kind of person? Where did that start? I think... I think I was born into a family of people that were very driven, very creative. My mother is, you know, nearly 80 and still has a gallery and still works and travels. My father was very creative. My brother's creative. And I was always sort of surrounded by people in our home. It was never like the children were here and these were the adults. So there were always people, people like poets and artists and people in theatre. So I was constantly around incredibly inspiring people. And my father sadly died when I was 16. And I think that moment I decided it was the most horrific thing that ever happened to me. So I just wanted to succeed on my own and never rely on anybody else. But I'd always had this real driven passion to be an interior designer. 
And from an incredibly early age, my mother would sort of say, what do you want to do on weekends? And I just wanted to look at show flats. I mean, I was so boring. And, you know, I loved seeing the way people lived. I loved family. I loved all of that. And that kind of was very much my family upbringing in South Africa. I left when I was two, but I used to go back every single Christmas, and I loved that kind of unity. And it was more the feeling of the way I felt in my grandmother's home, and I wanted to sort of recreate that. And I guess, I don't know, it's 16 and a half, I started a business, and literally for 40 years I've been doing it. I gave up for nine months to a year when Natasha was born, but I couldn't wait to get back to it. And family is number one in my life, but. I am very passionate about creating homes and designing anything, to be honest. That energy is obvious still. I mean, I'm just looking at you now and the eyes say a lot. I want to talk about interior design for a moment because you said, well, I just, it was the thing I was going to do. But, but why? And do you remember the time when you started playing with different textures and different materials? I mean, that's a straight, it is a strange thing to want to go and see a show flat. Well, it's generally. funny because I, I gave a big uh, speech at the Literary Festival, Festival in Cheltenham when the book sort of came out a couple of weeks ago. My mother was down there and she went and sat in the front of this audience of, say, 100 people. And I was a little bit nervous because she's very outspoken. And I was asked the question, what, you know, how young were you? That This um, interviewer sort of said, I, I hear you designed your room when you were very young. And I said, well, actually, I did. And it was, you know, cream shag pile carpet and chocolate brown felt walls, you know, bordered in chrome. And I was like, you know, literally telling them how it was. And I said, but I don't remember how old I was. And my mother stood up and went, you were 11, darling, you were 11. And from that moment on, you can depend every on mothers to do 10 that. minutes, she stood up and said something. And, you know, it was really, well, I was 11. And, um, and I was always moving things around in the home. My mother had, ex you know, exceptional taste. And I just loved home. I absolutely loved it. You talked about coming from South Africa at quite a young age, and obviously, you know, I had two-year-old children, a few of them as well. They're not going to remember much. Do you remember feeling different when you were here growing up, though, and that you were from somewhere else? Yeah. And, if, and if you did feel from somewhere else, what kind of impact did that have on the way you looked at the world? Yeah, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't fit in at school at all. I was very badly bullied at school, and every Christmas we'd go back to South Africa, and I just used to dream and wait for that moment to go back. And I did. I always felt that I had this other world and I guess as a kid, I would come back to school and go, oh, we did this, we did that. You know, I was probably obnoxious and horrible at school because I was always talking about this incredible feeling and life that I had with my grandparents. It was really important to me. And so I feel like I'm South African, but I am British because my, my father was English. So, you know, but there is something about Africa that is in my blood. I don't know what it is, but there's a feeling that... That I, was, that I was definitely born there, and it is very much a part of who I am today. And we're going to hold that thought right there. Um, stay with me here on Jazz Shapers, a live session, uh, because we've got some music, and it's none other than Mr. Gregory Porter. The bridges on mine, seen minions roll by, the bridges fall down, and so do my dreams. That was Gregory Porter with Don't Lose Your Steam. Where did creativity become commercial? When did you suddenly go, do you know what? I can make a living out of this. Because I mean, it strikes me, if you've come from a, a well-to-do family, 
sometimes that's difficult for, for kids. Yeah, absolutely. You've gone the other way. You've gone, no, I'm going gung-ho. I've got this idea. I package up stuff and then I'm going to make some money. Why? Well, I think both my parents worked um, and they were real grafters. You know, my mother still is. And I think you're absolutely right. I've seen a lot of families of people that go the complete opposite. But in a way, I was so respectful of the way my parents were and I loved their life and who they, they were and are. And I think I was very driven by that. And I like the feeling of being successful in something that I do. And it wasn't driven by making money, which is quite an interesting thing. It was driven purely by the passion of the feeling that I got when I designed something and I handed it over. And that moment when you kind of give birth to something and you see the expression on someone else's face where they go, oh my God, this is exactly what I wanted, but I didn't know I wanted it and I love it. That fed me with something that I needed, and it became more like a drug in a way that I just kept wanting to do it. And then, of course, it turned into a, a business, and, yeah, I liked making the money. Well, I was going to say, it did strike me as you were talking about it, that it is like a drug. It is a buzz. It's the fix of, of creating something that makes you feel good, and it's almost in a decent... In a in a good way, selfish. Yeah, positive. You're positive, but also for you. Yeah. So you're not, you may have other people's agendas to fix, but it feels like it's got to make you happy too. Yeah, and I don't think, I'm very fortunate that my business for 40 years hasn't felt like a job. You know, I still bounce out of bed at 6 a.m. in the morning and go for a run and I, I go into the studio. I mean, it amazes me that sometimes in interviews people say, you know, so how often do you go to your office? I'm like, what do I, you know, what do they think I do? I'm working person every single day and and I love it, and I like having all my young staff, and I've had people working for me for over 20 years, you know, so you create this bubble and this kind of environment which constantly changes and grows. Let me ask about that bubble, because creativity is, is an oft-used word and, and often misunderstood, and people think it's something incredible, when in reality it's just a lot of hard work and tenacity and, uh, and persistence. Are you a massive iterator? Is it a, that isn't right, I'm going to come back to it? How quickly do you get to the, yes, that feeling is, really? Yeah. How do you do second. it? How I do don't you, know. I have this, this brain where I can design, right now in my head, a room in 3D, and I can move things around in it before I've even put it on paper. When I walk into a room, I mean, John always laughs, we'll walk into our home and I will literally go up to the table and move something like that. And he'll go, really? That makes all the difference. I went, all the difference. You know, I can see it. I can scan a space. It's, the, it was, it's kind of the magic I was born with. It's a really lucky tool. And I've met other people that have that ability. It's almost like I see a screen in my head with lots of lines. It's like a grid system. And I can place things and move things. And it's, it can be incredibly annoying because you have to switch it off. But it also is amazing because I'm fast. I mean, I can design six rooms in a day if I'm left with music playing in my design studio. That's my dream. It doesn't always happen because I'm in meetings and I'm traveling and doing all kinds of things. But I can design very fast because I can see it before it happens. And you're never wrong. Absolutely not. <laughs> do you mean? Do you mean? In I mean, do you ever design? look back and go, do you know what? Actually, I thought I was right because I trust my instincts, and this is about instincts, right? And you've just learnt that you're always right. But occasionally, you go, actually, that I could have made that better. Do you mean in design? Yeah, in design. Honestly, when I did my retrospective now, and I put, and I had to choose, you know, out of a lot of body of work, there was early work that obviously I looked at and thought, God, I could have done better. But there was a point at which, from that point on, 
I would say I was really happy with everything that I've done. And it's a kind of, you know, and I'm not saying it with a big head because it's just in my eyes, it seemed right. And certainly in the client's eyes and people that I had designed for. And I go back into these homes years later and nothing has changed. So I think part of my development in designing is that I like to get into people's heads. I love that feeling of extracting that information and then working with a couple and playing the game of who's going to get what and how do you get that sort of balance that everybody's happy. And I like that. That was very much a part of my 40 years of having relationships with people to get to that point. And I won't ever design until I get that green light in my head that goes, okay, Kel, go. You've got it. You know what they want. And I'm very, very rarely wrong unless somebody that I'm working with changes their mind, which happens. There was something you said when I asked you that question, or rather you, you looked at me and said, and so you meant in terms of design. I want to come back to that because <laughs> life isn't just about design yeah. for any, I mean, it isn't just what you do. So I, I, we're going to hold that thought for a moment. Uh -oh. um, it's okay, don't worry. It won't be a heavy interrogation. It'll be a, a relatively light one. Please give uh, Kelly a round of applause for so far. <laughs> Stay with me for more uh, insight and uh, truth from my business shaper uh, today. That's Kelly Hoppen, 40 years, and I'm going to have to condense it into one whole hour. Time for some music, and I promise you a, a treat, and indeed we've got one. Um, as I said earlier, Bill Lawrence is providing some live music for you this evening. Bill is not just a pianist, not just a composer, but also a producer. He's classically trained, which is why he's really good. Um, he's been playing since he was 14, I've been told. Uh, he's the founding member of Snarky Puppy. And Snarky Puppy, for those of you in the know, are one of the fan most fantastic bands around, jazz bands around in the world today. He's played with More Chiba. He's played with the Metropole Orchestra, Miss Dynamite, and so many others. Please join me, ladies and gentlemen, in welcoming Mr. Bill Lawrence.
So unusually for Jazz Shapers, what we're going to do is actually have the opportunity to talk to the musician, which is a first. I've got to tell you, Bill, firstly, thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks very much for having me. It's a treat to be here. Name of the song? Uh, that song's called Cheer, um, which bizarrely, actually, um, I came up with the melody in a, in a Chinese tea house in Beijing, um, but I guess it doesn't really have a very sort of Chinese sound <laughs> to it. But that's where the melody came to me, and so, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where the name comes from. It occurs to me that, and the reason why we have created this program uh, of Jazz Shapers is that musicians and entrepreneurs, especially jazz musicians, have a lot more in common than they might realise. Tell me about the feelings that, you, that were evoked in you when you started writing and started thinking that you could be a musician. Um, wow. Well, I mean, I think certainly something Kelly said earlier about it feeling like a, a, a drug, you know. Um, I remember the first time... I, I looped uh, myself. I was actually on a, a four track and it was just vocals and I was just kind of doing a beatbox and then like humming a bass line and then singing a melody. And, and I, I must have been like 13 or 14 years old. And I remember it was the first time I'd ever kind of um, heard myself multiplied. <laughs> uh, and it was this kind of revelation moment. And, and I remember just thinking, you know, the, the, the potential possibilities were, were suddenly so exciting. And, you know, for a long time, I, I struggled um, to try and find a sound that satisfied me. Um, and, you know, I, I tried various different albums. I did a kind of very straight ahead jazz record. And then I did a, a very sort of, well, it was like a pop record where I was singing. Uh, and, and then I quickly realized I wasn't a singer. Uh, so that album is on the shelf and will stay there forever. Uh, and then so I, start, I, I started looking for singers and I found a singer, this wonderful singer called Rihanna Kenny. And we did an album as well. And, you know, those three records that I made were kind of the coming together of the first album that I officially released, Flint, in 2014. Um, and it was uh, hugely kind of cathartic to finally sort of find... That, that drug, you know, uh, I just remember like recording it in the studio and it was, it was just this, this thing that I'd never experienced before and, and something I'm, I'm going to be addicted to for the rest of my life, you know, and, and I will continue searching. <laughs> you, you talked about that particular song that you just played and it came from a, a moment in a, in a Beijing coffee shop. People have described your music as genre melding and it strikes me that again when I'm talking to Kelly she talks about those two worlds, at least two worlds, probably three actually, coming together. Do you do that consciously or is it just to, your, to, to Kelly's language it feels good, it makes sense to you? Is that why that happens? Yeah, I, I think in a way the thing I'm trying to do is, is for it to be as unconscious as possible really. I find that the, thing, the strongest things I've written I've written in 20 minutes you know, and they've just kind of come to me in a split second and, and the challenge is kind of trying to access that part of your brain because <laughs> when it happens it's like okay that's great but how do I you know keep can you tell all of us how you do it because I'd love to know because I mean that is <laughs> but that that's the truth of it isn't it Kelly's obviously found that knack it sounds like you're on the way to finding the knack but that must be the hardest and most frustrating thing when it isn't there it, it really is. It really is. And, you know, I think the only thing I could say is, is persistence is key. Um, you know, I kind of never really stopped searching. And, and I remember my time at university uh, in Leeds, there was just this kind of constant, deep-rooted frustration that I, I, I felt in, 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 you know, in my tummy. All that was just permanently there. 
um, until I released my first record. And I was, I was just always kind of feeling like I hadn't done myself justice, you know. And it was it just kind of tore me apart for years. And I was just like, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop until I kind of felt like I'd answered that. I'd scratched that itch, you know, um, and uh, as soon as I did, now I'm now I'm just hooked. <laughs> and for you, are you happy out here on a stage in front of an audience, or are you happier when you're at home or in your studio and you're creating? Um, I think they both have their place, you know. I think um, the beautiful thing about a live concert is that it's completely finite. It's of that moment and, and it's about capturing that one moment and it'll never be the same again and you know I think kind of uh, embracing that to its you know to its fullest is, is, is the challenge in performing and it can be nerve-wracking but I think you know I, I think it's uh, the more I do it the more the more I, I enjoy it. Well you've got a chance right now to do another one <laughs> if that's all right so I'd like you to embrace the moment. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen please put your hands together for Mr Bill Lawrence as he goes into number two songs this evening.
You're listening to Jazz Shapers. It's the live session here from the Everyman Cinema in the hot of Islington, which is in the heart of London. And I'm very happy to say that Bill Lawrence, who you've just heard, has been playing the magical Golden Hour, and we're gonna have one more track from Bill um, before the end of the program. But right now it's back to Kelly Hopper, my business shaper. You are the business, Kelly. You talked about young people being in the business, and of course, and work, working for you for 20 years is testimony to the fact that that obviously is a, a happy bunch. What's it like being the eponymous heroine every day and having to be you? Um, I imagine some days you may not feel like being you and having to stand there. Most of the time it's okay, but it's because, I mean, it's very funny just listening to Bill and, and, and him talking because there's so many similarities when you're a creative. I think we all go through the same emotions and being a creative, you're in that zone most of the time. Even though I have a really large company, I still see it as a baby company, you know, and so I try and run the business in a way that it's just a big family and that we're all there doing something that we love. There are moments when you're a boss when it's quite lonely because your staff are always going to see you as the boss. As much as them saying that, you know, them getting on with you and you working together and doing everything else, there is a big divide between you being at the top. But from a very early age, I worked with a life coach in New York who explained to me that the only way you can build a business and grow a business is to let go of the ownership in a certain way and create this umbrella and that's Kelly Hoppen and underneath all the people that work with you should be allowed to grow and become as big as they want and to be underneath your umbrella and your leadership but they're, they're their own person. And so from a very early age I created this kind of environment and it's worked because everybody owns their own chair, their own space, their own ideas. Um, but I'm still looking at everything, you know. I'm controlling it in a way because it's a brand and it's yeah. a certain look and a feel. And I understand all of that. And I think that makes perfect sense. And it explains why you've had sustained success rather than a, a flash in the pan. The thing that's different in your business, though, to many of the people I meet is that yours is a far more public facing role mm. i mean you happen to be on television you write um you are the face of the brand and other people are the face of the brand too but you're constantly on i mean you constantly have to be hold yeah. on a sec how does the hair look uh, is it black today is it gr- i mean isn't that a pain no, do you I love do that you know, the hair's the most reliable thing in my life let me how tell do you, do, you you know what i know everyone just wants to how do you do the hair i mean is, i know it's a facile question but i just want to know it's never let me down it's the only thing in my life you have cultivated is. a look there I mean, it always looks the same in a good way i don't well, know i wake up looking like this honestly my hair is my hair that's fine and i love fashion and i love clothes and yes i think about what i put on every day but it's not like because of who i'm going to be i am me every day There is a problem when your brand is your name. And had I thought about that at 16 and a half, I probably wouldn't have had my name. Because if I ever want to exit, you know, what do I do? Do I give my business to my staff? Do I, you know, none of my kids want it. They're all doing everything, you know, brilliantly on their own. So when you are the name at the top of the door, you're constantly looking for perfection. But then having said that, I'm a a typical Leo. Perfection is important to me. So it's never really been an issue that it just has to be right. It's just not an option, you know. So we talked about getting it right, and you have that ability to look in 3D quickly at a space and fill the space and fill it properly or not fill it, as the case may be. Mistakes along the way. I mean, one arguably is the, well, I put my name above the door, though, of course, there's massive 
massive um, value in that as well. Yeah. What have been, if you were to be honest, the things that you regret from a business perspective? Because I think creatively, there's no question. Are there investments you shouldn't have made? Are there people you shouldn't have backed? And if you've learned, what have you learned rather from those well, things? Well, I think as an entrepreneur, the one thing that you know is if something doesn't work, you, for me anyway, I literally shut that door because I've already got another idea. I think if you, if you spend so much time wondering why it didn't happen and what went wrong, of course there'd be mistakes along the way. You know, in terms of interiors, there's been furniture, you know, years and years ago that didn't fit through a door and you had to slice it in half and re-sew it up and take it in. You know, those kind of things happen. But I think in terms of business deals, I've never had investment in my business. It's, it's, I own it completely. Um, I've made some investments on Dragon's Den that were a complete waste of time. You know, I've made investments in people that haven't worked out in the business, but not many, actually, considering the amount of years I've been in business. I think you make mistakes sometimes just by choices, but you literally shut that door and there's already another opportunity there. So I'm not somebody that harps on something that's gone wrong. I genuinely go, okay. Now what? Because it's just the type of person that I am. And I understand all of that. How do you hold it together when the heart is feeling strange one day, when you're not on, for you personally, there's stuff going on in your life? How have you managed to go, do you know what, I can shut all that out and I can focus on my business? Because I think in the times that I've had tragedy in my life or something's happened in my life, I have literally thrown myself into my business it's the one thing that has never let me down so it's it's actually always grown bigger in moments like that and I think that if forever if ever I have a creative block which sometimes if I'm designing you know we've got 47 projects running at the moment you get to a point sometimes where you just think do you know what I just need to go away for a weekend and I'll go to Paris and I'll sit in a cafe and I'll go shoe shopping or I'll you know, buy some clothes, and, and I'm, I'm already like, oh, this is great. And then I go back to work, and I'm like, right, I'm ready. You know, a new pair of shoes can do wonders for a girl. Um, please, but, please don't go saying that. But it's true, right? It's true. I'm going to hold it there. I'm going to ask you all to please join me in thanking Kelly Hoppen so far for being Kelly Hoppen. The Q&A will be coming up in just a moment. But before that, it's time for some music. It isn't Bill Lawrence, although we are going to be hearing from him very shortly. It is Nina Simone. I ain't got no, I got life. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. The future is um, an interesting place for someone that's been doing what you do for 40 years. I can see why you've still got drive because that isn't going to go. What does it look like, though? What does success look like for someone who's so successful? It's, a, it's weird because I keep saying to people I'm going to slow down and then, you know, something else happens and we've got some big announcements next year of things that, that I've been working on for a couple of years and it just seems to get bigger but it's not, 
it's different things. You know, I always think of a, a business like a mind map. It just grows and you kind of watch it and you see where it's going. And, and I'm in a position now where I can kind of choose the things that really excite me. And I love challenges. I like things that are not easy. But it's, you know, my life just gets better in terms of business and, and what I'm doing. And yes, there will come a point because someone said the other day, here's to another 40 years. And I thought I'll be in a wheelchair. I'll be so old. So I look at things day to day and, you know, and I'm enjoying every moment. And, and I'm somebody that likes to not plan so far ahead. I like to leave gaps so that things can happen along the way. And I love meeting people and and creating things. And so there's lots of exciting things that are going to happen. And do you plan in those times to be creative, to, to give your, rather to give yourself space to be creative? You said, oh, if I go to Paris for the weekend, I'll buy a pair of shoes. That's fantastic shoe therapy. But are there other times when you say, hold on a minute, I am feeling low on energy, and do you actively plot those in the diary, or do you deal with the feeling as it no, comes? I'm, I hate di- My diary is my, the menace in my life. It's like a Rubik cube. It, I'm, it's... You know, my diary is planned until, you know, April next year. That's the thing I hate about my life. Listening to that music now, I can't thank you enough because I just designed a room while listening to it. You know, I'm working on a hotel at the moment and I was listening to that music and it took me into the design room and that's what, that's what I'm about, being creative. If I get to a point where I don't feel creative, I just leave the studio and I, I go and have a coffee or I go home or, or I just chill at home or we go down to the country or something it's not I think when you're creative you can't plan to put in your diary I'm going to be creative today I know that I have days when I'm not I don't have meetings and they are joyous because I can just literally bypass everyone in the studio and go to a room which is about this size where I literally design and have everything at my fingertips that's when I'm most happy and yet doing this makes me really happy so you've got to have the balance, don't you, in life? Otherwise, you just get bored doing the same thing. Finally, before we go to our, our Q&A, um, we've talked a lot about how, and you are, you're, you're, you're the talent, you're the, you're the creative force, but you're also running a business. How involved are you in the numbers? How involved are you in the big strategic decisions about property and other things that you might have to get involved with? And, and if it's not you, or if it's you to a point, have you built up a team of people that you feel comfortable with commercially? I imagine the answer is yes, but where have they come from and how does a creative person learn to trust a commercial person? I was self-taught as a businesswoman and I'm dyslexic um, and um, I control everything. I am the biggest control freak. As you're saying it, I'm not actually that surprised. You're looking at me and I'm going, (laughs) she probably does control everything. I know everything. I know every number in in my studio. I read every email. Nothing passes me. I am... I watch from afar, but I'm involved. I've had the same financial guy in my company for 23 years. He drives me mad. We're the complete opposites. I like to spend money. He likes to save it. We, you know, we're in the middle somewhere. Um, but no, I'm, I control everything that I do. And that, in a way, it's been to my detriment sometimes because I think I could have let go of a few things. But that's the way I am, and I'm not going to change now. Okay, now it's time for the bit where we lose complete control, and uh, I think Kelly will be hiding under her director's chair right in front of me. Uh, It's a question and answer session. It's your chance to ask anything you like. Put your hand up. Someone with a microphone will come and find you. Please say who you are, and then fire away. Hi, I'm Jeff Gould. Uh, We've heard uh, how you design for your clients, and uh, 
you find what suits them and their space, and that, and then you, you find that that works and that you can come back years later and see that it's still working. Is that the way it works with your personal space? <laughs> um, yes. I mean, people think I move all the time, but actually I don't. Um, once I've designed a space, uh, we've just moved a year and a half ago, I'm constantly, if I can't sleep at night, I will lie in bed and redesign the entire space. But I don't physically do it because I'm very happy with what I've done in the first place. Also, time. You know, I'm so busy that to redesign and redecorate your home all the time would be difficult. And I kind of get it right. I, I am the worst client of all, which is why I've been successful with other people, because I'm a nightmare. So by the time I've actually designed something for myself, it's taken me so long that I'm going to live with it until I move. We've got time for probably two more questions. So, yep, there's a couple of hands that have zipped up. Thank you. Hello. Um, my name's Sarah, Sarah Ratti from Seattle. Um, I was really interested that you said that you had, a, you had a life coach from quite a young age. Do you still have a life coach, and what do you think the benefit is of having one? I, haven't, I didn't have one for a long time. I met somebody that in, introduced me to this man called David Zellman in New York, and I had like a morning with him. Um, and it was, it was an amazing experience to talk to him. I had felt that my business had got to where it could go, and somebody had said to me, if you go and work with this man, he kind of just opens up the door and shows you that, that there is no limitations to how big you, could, you can build a business or, or something that you're trying to, to do in, in, in your life. And it was a really extraordinary experience. Um, and I only did it the once, but I've never forgotten all the things he told me. And I, and I did all the things that he told me. And it was extraordinary how it literally kind of exploded from that moment. So it was, it was fascinating. It's not to say that I wouldn't do it again, but it was just the once. One more question. Only one more, please. Oh, the person I recognise there, it's my mother. Yeah, we definitely have to have her ask a question. Is she safe? Over there, over there. She's safe, Kelly, don't worry. She's been briefed. Kelly, it's very interesting. You said that you had total control over your business and you're hands-on on every aspect, whether it's financial, whether it's new buildings, creativity. There must be inherent problems in running the business does that not hamper you in creativity? So you've got a wonderful new project on and you've got to hassle with another project or you've got to hassle with a building or finance. How do you keep your creativity going when you are hands-on administratively and in every other area of your business? Well, I have a staff of 50. So let's, let's not, you know, let's be clear. I'm not like literally doing all the CAD drawings and the, you know, we've got architects, we've got now three designers. 38 years, I designed every project that came out of my company. So I've now got a team of designers that I've trained. So you've got people running the projects, and you've got people doing the drawings, and they're working with you, and you've got people in finance who are doing the accounts and everything else. When I say I control it, every Monday or once a week, unless I'm traveling, we sit down and we run through every single project, make sure the finances are in place. We don't work without deposits. You know. In that sense, I control it. I have to see the whole picture of the company. Otherwise, I can't sleep, you know, in that sense. But I have an incredible team of people, really brilliant. And we work as a team together. I think that's a great note to end um, on. Kelly, thank you so much. I think you've been super honest. 
I can see. You've been super honest. She's giving me a glare now. No, no, I am. No, she's, I she's, so you're very close with these glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> Better take them off then. Um, thank you so much for your thank time you. uh, helping us put this together. Please, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Kelly Hoppen. And, and to play us out this evening, please welcome to the stage one more time, it's Bill Lawrence.
and Felix, Bill Lawrence, and fantastic Felix. So uh, it just leaves me to say thank you so much uh, for joining me here at the Everyman for this, the very first Jazz Shapers live session. Uh, fantastic conversation with both my brilliantly creative um, people, both Jazz Shapers and Business Shapers. Thank you, all of you. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Kondorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs>